congratulations. You have a new baby in the home. Now the fun begins. All the baby has to do is sleep, eat, and poop. How hard can that be? Parents soon discover that one of the major challenges is establishing a normal sleep pattern. What is normal sleep and what isn't? Does sleeping well as a baby help create a normal sleep pattern later in life? Should parents let their babies cry themselves to sleep? Hello, my name is Dr. Jay Greenspan. On this edition of Pediatric Chat, we examine the dynamics of pediatric sleep and discuss strategies parents can employ to give their infants the best chance of developing a healthy sleep pattern. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Dr. Paul Rosen. Hello, Paul. Hello, Jay. And we're also glad to welcome our special guest, Dr. Chris Calamaro, a pediatric nurse practitioner at Nemours who has a PhD and an expert on sleep. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Jay. So let's start off by talking about sleep and its purpose, its purpose in our lives. What is sleep and what does it mean for us? Jay, that's a great question. As sleep experts, believe it or not, we're not fully sure of why you need to sleep at night. But we do know there's some key components to sleep that help us with restoring our body. Think of those times when you just are so exhausted that it just feels so much better to lay down and to sleep. We also know it helps with what we call memory consolidation that we're able to refocus our brains and to consolidate all the things that occurred during the day so that when we wake up the next day, we have a better sense or a better perspective on what happened from the day before. We also know from sleep that it's a biological imperative. You need to sleep. We have multiple studies that have shown that when even children don't sleep well, their asthma can get worse. Their Mm. eczema, of all things, can get worse. We know children with chronic illnesses can have their blood sugars go up and down and not be regulated. We also see where even mental health issues can worsen in the presence of no sleep. So as much as we say we don't know enough about it, we know the purpose of it is to have that effect of memory consolidation again, of restoring all the biological processes we have and to just help us feel healthy and refreshed in the morning. Wow. Thanks, Chris. I wish I knew about this, Jay, when I was doing my residency. Yeah, we need some (laughs) consolidation (laughs) sleep coaching. So Chris, can you speak to the different kinds of sleep? There's lighter sleep and deeper sleep. Can you speak to those? Sure. And you know, Paul, we could spend a whole hour just talking about what we call REM, rapid eye movement sleep versus non-rapid eye movement sleep. And they're literally the two categories of sleep that we have. Interestingly enough, as a baby's brain matures, they enter sleep through a different process that's much more like an adult's, and that's called non-REM sleep. Non-REM sleep is that time of quieter sleep versus, in a nutshell, REM sleep, which is your active sleep. That's where you dream. That's where you may notice with your children or with your partner or with anyone that you've ever slept with, they may be drooling, they may seem like they're paralyzed or they're dead to the world, so to speak. That's in essence what REM sleep is. Our body totally relaxes, and that's where your brain is most active. You may even notice that people's eyes are moving rapidly under their eyelids during REM sleep, and parents may notice that with their babies, that they make facial expressions more, or they make grimace during that time. And that's really not unusual. But we cycle through both of those as we get older, and even for babies and children, as it approaches more adult-like sleep, we cycle through that up to four times in a night. We know that uh, babies sleep a little bit more than we do, a lot more than we mm-hmm. do, sometimes not enough. And I, I do see a lot of variability in my patients. Some sleep a lot, right. some don't sleep much. How critical to their growth and development is sleep? And what do you see in patterns of sleep and you know differences in normal variation? Okay. That in itself is really important for parents to know. So as we teach moms and dads, and as folks who are listening to this may think about their babies, 
Newborns will sleep on average 16 to 20 hours. Mm. Now, that's not straight. That would be in increments of one to four hours. So it's important for any parent, if they notice even their newborn who needs to wake up and eat frequently, if they're sleeping more than even four-hour increments, that's something I would talk to your healthcare provider about. They really do need to wake up and eat and then go back and sleep. During that time, it's just critical for them because they're growing so rapidly that their body does need to rest, and that's why they're sleeping so much. Also, what's critical to that is that that's really where they start to basically learn sleep regulation during that period of time. So essentially, as they sleep in those cycles of one to four hours of sleep, their brain is starting to mature, their brain's starting to develop, and they develop a sleep pattern that will carry with them as they grow older. So it's not uncommon for me when I have older children come in for parents to say they were always great sleepers as babies and here's how they slept, or they weren't good sleepers and here's why. And to see that as they get older, we find that statistically, there's a a greater risk for children to go on and be poor sleepers if they're not good sleepers when they're babies. Mm. Great stuff. I think as friends and as family, when someone has a new baby, you ask them really two questions. What's the weight? Are they gaining weight? That's right. right. And are they sleeping through the night, right? So That's correct. So what does sleeping through the night mean? Oh, that's a loaded term for many parents. Each baby is different. First and foremost, any sleep expert will tell you that when a baby sleeps through the night, it can be different for each child. And again, the approach hopefully is consistency on the parent's part to setting that nighttime routine for a baby so that they can learn how to sleep through the night. When a baby sleeps through the night, the hope is by three to four months as their stomach's expanded to hold more breast milk or formula, that that will carry them through until the morning hours. So the hope is essentially three to four months or 12 to 13 pounds is kind of the rule of thumb. But even given that some babies don't at that age sleep through the night. So we encourage parents to think of six months as a mark when a baby should be sleeping through the night. And that even up to nine months is the upper limit where we will say, okay, by nine months, they should be sleeping through Mm -hmm. the night and not needing to get up to eat. Now, obviously, again, for every child, it's different, but for children who may have special needs or have a medical condition and they're frequently awakening at night, that's definitely a different conversation that you would have about their sleep with your healthcare provider or the specialist that may be treating your child. But six to nine months, when we say sleeping through the night, meaning they'll be in bed by perhaps nine or 10, hopefully earlier, like eight to nine, and sleep easily until perhaps six o'clock in the morning before they need to get up. So a good 10 to 12 hours for a child who's not a newborn through their infancy into toddlerhood is a reasonable amount of time for sleeping through the night. Okay. Chris, you mentioned busy schedules and when some families who have two parents working or there's a single mom and maybe parents are keeping their babies up a little longer to help accommodate the family work schedule. Do you have any comment about that? Personally, I guess that, and this is the disclaimer, Nemours is steeped in research and excellence in healthcare. And I I do want to say that just personally from my experience with parents is that that's where you need to have give as a healthcare provider and as a sleep specialist. Some children do need to accommodate parents' schedules. They may not be able to pick them up from daycare until six o'clock at night. They have busy schedules, may not get them to bed until later. Some babies don't get to bed till nine or nine thirty, ten at night. So in that case, what I really recommend for parents is that it may be difficult to get them to bed earlier because of your busy schedule. But what we still know is consistency in nighttime routine. Do the same thing the same way every night for a baby. Give them their bath if you do that. 
read to them, even with newborns, start reading to them. We even know from literacy experts that that's so important for brain development, but it's also important to start to slow them down at night. You can play music, you can keep what we call ambient light, meaning a night light at least seven to 10 feet from the crib. All those things come into play in a very consistent routine. And then be consistent in putting your baby down, say it's later again, because you know, you've picked your baby up late, put them down still drowsy so that they can learn to self-soothe and establish a sleep pattern where they fall asleep at night on their own without you having to rock them to sleep, put them down and then be back and forth. Mm with fragmented sleep is the issue. Later on, sleep is a big issue as well. We can get to that in another chat. But do you... Yes, uh, it is, right. Yeah, but you see patterns where we don't have great sleep practices, even in infancy, impacting kids later on in life? Yes, you definitely do. You really need to be consistent early on and try your darndest to establish those sleep patterns from the very beginning so that as your child gets older, they're able to self-soothe again and go to sleep on their own. It will provide them optimal cognitive functioning. We know that elementary school children who don't sleep well struggle in the classroom to pay attention or to even test take well. We know that even developmentally, toddlers have difficulty with certain tasks that they need to accomplish as they move through toddlerhood if they're not sleeping well. So again, it really does affect cognitive functioning for children to some extent, it's just holistically, there's a lot of reasons why we need to sleep. And I think it's important for parents to encourage that kind of healthy sleep routine from the very beginning. It should be a little effort. We should know a little bit about it as parents and then um, get them on the right track. That's correct. So Chris, you put the baby to bed and leave the room and close the door. And then a minute later, you start to hear the crying. Should a parent go right back into the room quickly or wait a few minutes? What do you recommend? Oh, that's a tough thing. I I think one of the things I do notice as well, as the baby gets older, sometimes I think the effect of monitors can be a big one. It'll, Mm. It'll wake parents up quicker and they'll be in there much faster than we would have before. And if I can encourage folks to think of one thing is that unless there's a need to have that monitor after the first year of age, I'm not sure you definitely need it. Because at that point, the child's lungs are loud enough to cry out to you if they need you. I would give it some time, at least five or 10 minutes, unless it's a cry. And and, and let me stress that as you have a child and and you grow in learning your child's personality, you'll know the different cries. So obviously, cueing in or paying attention to the type of cry you might hear. If a child just suddenly cries out and then they go back to sleep, that's not unusual for babies to fuss or cry in their sleep. Give them a few minutes and see if they settle. If they're crying hysterically, you may want to go in and make sure that they're not wet or that there's something that's not troubling them. But definitely, I would give it time and then be consistent in going in for intervals to not reward the child by picking them up, but, you know, making the visit boring, patting them on the back, not talking to them, and then quietly leaving and doing that consistently until they can figure out that crying does not help them if they wake up, that if anything, you're not going to pick them up and cuddle them, that they need to just go back to sleep. But things to look for, maybe they're too hot, maybe the room's too hot. We know we sleep better when it's cooler. Again, checking to make sure they may, that they're not ill or running a fever checking again to see that there's nothing that could be painful for them. There's many, many things to do for a parent when they first hear that cry. I should say not many things, but a checklist that they can run through. And that's to ensure that their baby's okay from the perspective of they're healthy, they're not sick, that their diaper's not wet, or they haven't moved their bowels for some reason in their sleep, that the room is cool enough, that something isn't frightening them, 
or perhaps a neighbor's light for the first time has is shining in their bedroom and that's waking them. So to look at the environment and look at the child and see what those issues are and then move from there. And then again, establish that routine. I think I hear typically, I sort of screwed up. I'm seven months in, my baby's been crying. I go in and cuddle and you know we right. both fall asleep. If you're taking this approach, in your experience, how long does it take? How many nights are we going to have to go through of this stuff? Oh, oh. <laughs> and that varies by the baby. Some babies are smart enough at an early age to dig in, I like to say. You know, the strong-willed personality will uh, definitely dig in and it may make it more complicated. They're always the fun ones, I tell parents. But it really is an individual, and it may be a day or two to a week to two weeks. The older they get, they can think more that if they cry loud and long as a toddler, the parent will eventually come in. So again, it's back to setting that routine in the beginning. There's no research that's established X amount of days for this age group, and it really is individual. It's really dependent on the child and parent's consistency in their approach. So hang in there. Hang in there. It's hard. The good news is eventually they sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I just want to ask you, you mentioned make sure the baby's not sick. So my friends, they've successfully got their baby to bed in the crib, but then if the baby catches a cold or a virus and there's a bit of a runny nose, the baby's not sleeping well at night and the parents will bring them into their room or change their sleep pattern until the cold is resolved. Is that the right thing to do or should they kind of stick to their guns when the baby's sick? That's a tough one. And each parent almost has to answer that in an individual manner. The first thing I would do is do that mental checklist that I just mentioned to make sure the baby's okay. And again, you mentioned illness. Illness is a whole different ball game, and we shouldn't expect any child to sleep through the night. We as adults, when we feel miserable from illness, we're not sleeping through the night. So we need to give some understanding for our child. And then even after, it can take even several weeks that their sleep patterns can be totally thrown off from teething to a fever to a minor cold, as you talk talked about. It's scary. As a parent, I would worry about my child when they were ill. And if you do have some concerns, I think if you can set something up like the crib in the room, if you think they're that ill that they need to be near you, that's what I would recommend more than bringing them into the bed. Chris, summertime's coming and uh, a lot of families will be traveling uh, to the beach or, or visiting. And I think with travel can come disruption of the baby's sleep. Is there anything parents can do while they're on the road visiting? Well, that's a great question because many times parents will be away for a week or two and then they'll come in a month later saying, what is wrong with my child that they don't sleep? And this is even for older children as well. In the summer, in fact, in the summer, our schedules are so far off because we don't have the routine of school for older children or preschool for preschoolers or toddlers. So we highly recommend that you try to keep that same sleep routine, that same nighttime routine if you can. It's too easy when your child says, can I just stay up and watch that movie at 11 o'clock? And if they're eight or nine, that's a little disruptive to their sleep. So I would highly recommend if you can, just keeping that same routine. Obviously, you still want to have fun. And there's those great opportunities to do that and allow your child those special occasions to stay up. But staying with that routine is important. Yeah. This is great. We could talk forever. I have a couple more really important questions oh, before, let me hear them, before it goes away. Oh. We definitely have to have you back because great. this is a great topic. You know, as a neonatologist and pediatrician, I have yes. to ask you about safe sleep. What are the must-haves of sleep in terms of bedding, in terms of position, and just let the audience know what's recommended? Okay. That's a very, very important topic. In fact, recently, I think it's come to light in, in several studies that parents have become a little more relaxed in putting their baby on their back. And it's been uh, 
interesting to see even in my practice, parents will admit to now letting their baby because maybe their mom or their grandmother said, well, you grew up and slept on your belly. I cannot stress enough that because of several studies really demonstrating that babies who sleep on their back, the incidence of sudden infant death syndrome is much less, that we've adopted that for that very reason, that they sleep on their back and they're safer. And safe sleep, when you hear that comment, is not only sleeping on their back, but ensuring that their crib is firm, the mattress is firm. The crib is new. I would recommend that if you can't buy one, that you can borrow one that's been built within the last year or two, or purchased, I should say, within the last year or two, because it meets the standards for uh, safe sleep, that you not have toys or stuffed animals or bumper pads or blankets. We now have sleep sacks for babies, which mimic blankets, but they zip them up and they can sleep in them. And the very reason for that is that we believe this, is that we're not really sure why SIDS happens, but we do have several reasons. And one may be that there's areas of the brain that are not quite as mature. So when something happens that may be challenging to that baby's health and welfare during sleep, that part of their brain may not be able to respond in the appropriate manner. And sometimes even think about it, when a baby's brought into bed with you or you you say, oh, but they need that Winnie the Pooh comforter that you decorated their room with. When babies are on their bellies, the risk of them rebreathing the waste product that we typically exhale called carbon dioxide can be greater if they are pushed up against a bumper where a little air pocket forms, or if they have a cute blanket that you didn't want to not put in their bed because it matches their room, that as that blanket is up around their nose, it can again create that little air pocket that as they rebreathe that carbon dioxide, it can gravely affect their health. So we always recommend, except for medical exceptions that your healthcare provider or specialist when you're in the hospital talk to you about, with some babies that may need to be on their bellies, but it's rare exceptions. For the most part, all babies, healthy babies need to be on their backs. Right. So that's great information. Back to sleep for sure. Absolutely. No excuses. We just hate when that doesn't happen and something goes wrong. We just feel absolutely horrible. I, I do want to say, Jay, just two things. Immunizations do not cause SIDS. Yes. Vomiting, for the most part, we know, does not have a direct response in causing sudden infant death syndrome. So I really want to stress the importance of parents getting their babies immunized and not worry that it might lead to their child ending up having some breathing problems. And of course, don't smoke around your baby. That is also a risk for Correct. All right. So the take-home message for me has been not only safe sleep, but sleep is a wonderful gift. It's something that restores us from infancy on. Sleep patterns are different. They can still be normal. That's right. Um, you never know what to expect. Right, right, uh, right. And patterns uh, will change over time. But we have to think ahead about how we have our kids sleep, our babies sleep. It's something important to think about, to set the example early because it does impact you later on and it impacts you at the time uh, in terms of really getting a pattern going. So sometimes it's a little bit of tough love, but I think if you start early, that period of toughness will be less. That's right. And the message today is consistency, as hard as it is. And even think about it as a parent, when you don't feel well or you're just tired of hearing your baby cry, you know, it's hard to be consistent, but you need to be. And there's great resources that Nemours has that you can log on and look at even through your smartphone, through kidshealth.org. We have wonderful resources there that talk about sleep and the need for sleep and, and some great points on what to do with sleep. Additionally, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and that is aasm.org, also has some great resources for sleep as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics. And obviously calling back to you, Jay and Paul, <laughs> to find out how can I help my baby sleep? Yeah, so you can send questions to us and we'll track down Chris. 
and get the answer <laughs> because she has a wealth of knowledge. And, and thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Oh, this has been great. Jay and Paul, it was wonderful, and I look forward to returning. Thanks so much for having me today. To our listeners, if you have a question about this topic or if there's another topic you'd like us to explore in a future pediatric chat, you can send it to us by using the question portal on our webpage. And be sure to view our library for more pediatric chat programs. I'm Dr. Jay Greenspan, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.